everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bruins Tape to Tape. I'm your host this week, Caroline, and I'm joined by Maria. Hey, Maria. Hello, Caroline. How's your week been, my friend? Not too bad. Not too bad. I know I sound a little under the weather, but you know what always puts me in a good mood is talking hockey with you. So I'm still very happy to be here. <laughs> even even though we have we have a, a a good game and a bad game to uh to talk about yeah what's what's uh what could be better than exactly exactly so we're gonna just dive in because we only had those two games i'll set the table um the first thing some injury updates uh for any of you who maybe missed some of these games uh because you know it's the holiday season people are at parties and doing all that extra stuff, so no hard feelings for anyone who's missed any of the games this month. Uh, but we've got Chucky. He took a hit kind of awkwardly. Zaka. Um, so those two guys are day-to-day right now, hopefully on the mend, hopefully precautionary on the mend. Um, and then, of course, we learned that Derek Forbert's on LTIR. Um, Probably due to the injury that's kind of been nagging him all season from the preseason. So it's hopefully a bit injury. Yeah, we still don't know. So there's speculation that it's groin related, but who knows? Right. But being on LTIR, considering the number of days plus the game's minimum, we're probably not going to see him until the new year. So that's a bummer. But that also means that we've gotten to see Mason Lowry come back up. Um, I believe they've also called up, although I don't remember seeing Mitchell <clears throat> um, actually play. Um, so it's been kind of interesting. We had uh, Jeremy Swayman was out sick, and so they had an emergency call up uh, for Bussy as well. So it's just been kind of like a crazy week in spite of there only being uh, those two kind of up and down games that we saw. Um, so let's dive right in. We had two games. We saw the Sabres, um, and we also saw the Arizona Coyotes. Two not super great teams, although coming into this tilt, uh, Arizona actually, fun fact, I believe it was the last five games that they had played they played the previous five Stanley Cup winners, and they beat all five of them. <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, but let's talk about the Sabres first and that absolutely awful, awful game that we had to witness. All right. Uh, yeah. Let, 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 let's start with the, um, you know, the, the Sabres were coming into the TD Garden to face the Bruins on a four-game losing streak. They were also without two of their, I believe, key players, Rasmus Stalin and Alex Tuck. Mm-hmm. Now, and the goalie. And a goalie. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the concern when you go into a game like this is, you know, do teams have a tendency to, quote-unquote, play down to their opponent? I, I don't know what game the Bruins were playing, 
but they certainly weren't playing the same game that the Buffalo Sabres were playing. No. No. Um, the the other the other big big news, um, which wasn't big news to me, but some on social media seemed to want to make it big news, was the fact that um, Patrout was out for the game, and it compelled Jim Montgomery to basically just come out and say that it was a scheduled day off. This kid is only 19 years old, or right. is he even 19, 18, 19 years old? He's 19, yeah. Okay, it's a, it's, it's a long grind, and it's a long yeah. season. And the pace of play between the NHL and the league that he came out of okay. is night and day. Mm-hmm. So if the kid needed a breather, then I, I'm, I'm fine with, with Monty giving him that yeah. breather. So yeah. I, I didn't see any controversy or any issues issues there. But, you know, let, let, let's talk about the highs in this game. There was one. Brad Marchand stretched his goal streak to three games in a row. And that, for me, was pretty much it uh-huh. from, from the highs because I saw very little effort, energy, or sense of urgency on the part of the Boston Bruins mm-hmm. throughout the course of this game. Yeah. Yeah. And the real low point yeah. was the injury to Charlie McAvoy. Yeah. Now, you know, we, we, we can talk about that now. We can go into a little bit more detail um, about that as we, you know, dive into this game. But, you know, for me... Once again, a slow start hurts the Bruins. Yeah. They we're outshot in the first period, 19 to 5. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's been also a trend over the last few games. Um, seeing how frequently the Bruins are getting outshot, um, it's, that's not a thing that I like to see, per se. Um, you know, I mean, it, the shot attempts are one thing compared to, okay, what percent of those shot attempts are actually on net? However, if you're not taking shots, how many of those shots are then actually going to convert into goals, right? You always have to be making those shot attempts. That's that shot mentality that we hear talked about all the time and the last several games there's hardly been any jump start in that regard um and this was symptomatic once again of that kind of start 19 to 5 <laughs> nobody wanted to be there that day i think that was pretty clear you ever you ever have a day where you're just like you show up to work and you're like i I don't want to be here right now. And it's the most painful thing. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, to some degree, I think um, in the, in the post game, you know, coach Montgomery was trying to protect his players and took accountability mm-hmm. for the fact that, you know, he knew it might be, he knew that the game might be a problem after the lack of energy during the practice the day before, because by all accounts, based on, you know, the the folks who cover the team and report from practice, there was a lot of barking going on. Yeah. At at um practice the day before. 
But, you know, e even, even so, Brad Marchand, in his comments, said that, you know, sometimes they try to get too cute <laughs> with some of their plays, which, again, I think has been a problem um, yeah. for this team, too. Mm -hmm. if, if someone has a shot, they seem hesitant to take the shot. They have a tendency to overthink or overpass. Yeah. And yeah. It's and it's interesting that, you know, that that Mon Monty was taking accountability for that and had talked about it. But at the end of the day, I mean, sure, he can see how in a practice they are, you know, lackluster, low energy or what have you. But he can't make them come into the game with high energy. I mean, that that ultimately comes down to the player their mental attitude going into the game, um, you know, how they've prepared for going into that game. He certainly can attempt to motivate them, and so can the team leadership. But I, I, I almost wonder seeing Monty take that accountability, and I kind of use that in air quotes, is him using this season to make extra sure that he is communicating to the Boston sports media. No, no, I am taking accountability because of last year's criticism about a lack of accountability, so to speak, you know? So it's just an interesting thing to kind of witness in this context. And then going into this game where it was just, I mean, it was awful to watch. I sat through it. It was, it was, but... it was tough to watch. I didn't know. And as we do, because we, you know, we want to be able to speak relatively yep. intelligently about yep. the game but yep. how many times do you want to turn off a game like that and say yeah just don't have it and why am i going to invest my time yeah to watch it yeah now there there have been you know teams in the past and you know either last season or even the season before where you'd say you know what i'm not going to turn it off because there's a potential for this team to come back they've done it but yep. I just don't see that in this team's DNA, at least not right. at this point of the season. Well, and it's funny that you say that because we kind of switch gears to the Arizona game. That's sort of what happened there. So full disclosure, uh, I was watching the first period. I, I had a little bit of a girls weekend away with my best friend. And so I'm watching it in the, in the piece of the Airbnb. And taking advantage of lounging on the couch watching this game. And I was messaging in our game day chat in the Discord. Man, I'm I'm literally struggling to stay awake <laughs> for this one o'clock game on a Saturday. But I powered through because as terrible as that first period was, it's exactly what you said. I held on through the second period to kind of see them claw their way back. Uh, and then, again, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, I did fall asleep and miss the entire third period. <laughs> but that was kind of the game that, was, that we were witnessing, and it's the perfect example. In this case, they were able to kind of crawl out of that hole, but it also feels like this entire season has been anytime they end up down. First goal. That's 
going to be a tough game to watch. Yeah, they just don't have the same type of push and resiliency, it seems, of that of teams that, you know, we we have witnessed in the past. Now again, maybe maybe that will change in due time or maybe they'll understand that, you know, it might you might be better served to play with the lead rather yeah. than continuously chasing the game. Um but, you know, and and I and I again, I know it's a very long season. And there are, you know, sometimes what is referred to as throwaway losses. Yeah. And maybe this Buffalo game falls into that category. However, it just gives me pause for concern Mm -hmm. when you, again, and I know I sound like a broken record. (laughs) It's not the loss. It's how you lose. The quality. That's more troubling. Yeah. Than the actual loss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of something that is starting to really creep into a big area of concern for me is how their defensive structure seems to fall apart when they're faced with teams that have the ability Mm -hmm. to move the puck quickly in the Bruins' end. Yeah. And they seem to get turned around, lose their coverage, and then they have to try and rely on one of their elite goalies to yeah. bail them out. So, you know, I, I, and again, maybe that's something that needs to be addressed with more practice, but it's something that keeps rearing its, its ugly head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a curious thing because, um, it's not like the players in the defense have changed really all that much. I mean, yeah, we lost Cliffy, um, but that was only one player. And yeah, he was excellent. He was very good. But, you know, Kirk's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. Uh, they replaced a, a was, was Cliffy third line? I think he was a third pairing. Um with a third pairing. It was second, depending Sometimes. on injuries, yeah. But, but I mean, ultimately, your first four guys are essentially unchanged. I mean, and I don't know that I've necessarily paid attention closely enough to see if they've been attacking or defending any differently than they have in the past. But you're absolutely right. It's these teams that play the maybe the faster or, you know, just a little bit faster game they just can't quite get in the right places can't get in the right get in the way and that's gonna be a long-term problem because it's defense that's gonna win you because you've you've got this you know so you're you're doing something right with your defensive structure Mm -hmm. on the pk because you're the second best penalty killing team in the league so and and you've only got four guys out on the ice when you're doing this. So I know. Um, you know, maybe I'm being I'm oversimplifying the issue. And I don't think this is an issue that's, you know, easily excused away by saying, well, you know, Forbert and McAvoy aren't in the lineup. No, because we've been seeing this building up of this issue mm-hmm. over the course of I want to say maybe now at this point, the last eight to ten games. Yeah. I agree. With 
with McAvoy and like with the full compliment of full compliment. It's been. Yeah. And it is a curious thing. Um, Certainly, if any of our listeners out there are uh, coaches or do any of that kind of work with teams. Yeah. Yeah. Find us on our socials. Reach out to us. Welcome you. We would we would love to be in the mind of a coach, um, especially one that specializes in defensive maneuvers and tactics because this is a head scratcher to me because like you said if you have such a spectacular penalty kill um to have a spectacular penalty kill you have to have the superior defensive pairings out there so how can that not get converted on it's the same thing that we talked about last week with why on earth are they struggling so much with that six on five? I mean, it's a glorified power play. Why the heck are they not sending out an extra defenseman, especially considering Monty loves to really get his defensemen involved in the offensive play. But when you're in a six on five situation, I mean, that's pretty much almost always you're defending pretty heavily in that case. So I don't know, but if anybody out there has uh, insight, we would love to hear from you. Um, help us understand, because this it doesn't make sense. Um, but again, in this, you know, to your point, de- depending on the the elite goaltender, Linus bailed him out again. Yeah, I and uh, you know, again, you you have elite goaltending. It's it's a wonderful blessing and a wonderful, you know, I don't want to call it a problem, mm-hmm. but by the same token, we've talked about this too, Swayman and Linus are seeing a lot of rubber coming at them. Yeah. Yeah. I would be really curious, uh, and maybe that's my homework assignment after our pod today, to investigate... Um, some goalie stats. How? Who? What? Play, uh, what goaltenders have faced the most shot attempts and uh, most shots on goal? Because keep in mind, with shot attempts, certainly some of those attempts um, will get blocked, uh, or you know they go wide or whatever. But if the opposing team is in in your defensive zone, you as the goaltender, you have to be on. You have to be paying attention. That's that's mental fatigue too, just because you don't actually. Uh, have to make the save you're still actively engaged and that's a skill that other players out there are not employing <laughs> you know when i when, when i see you know goalies facing this this much rubber on you know a game to game basis you know I, I think back to the to the career of of henrik lundquist mm-hmm. you know spectacular spectacular goalie but by the time playoffs yeah rolled around you know, yeah. this the, the, he was a workhorse during the regular season, and God only knows how many shots a night he saw. Yeah. But I honestly think that by the time he got to the playoffs, he was worn out, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, just in terms of, let's say, time on ice. Okay, yes, the goalie is out there. Their time on ice is 60 minutes. But how many of those are, let's say, active minutes where they're actively tracking the puck, getting in position, paying attention, like doing active goaltending 
work. There's still probably players like you're talking about Hank or Linus or Swayman. They're putting in more minutes probably at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what I found. And that takes a toll. It's a Yes, it is a very different position and they play a very different game, but it doesn't mean that they can or should be playing these crazy, crazy active minutes because they're just going to run out of gas. And right. thinking about that, like to, to your point about Patra, but also then on the flip side to some of our veterans, those those uh, forward skating players, they get to to take a night or whatever or, or or get to take a period, you know, where he got benched and they had to shorten the the bench because the game was getting out of hand. Like you can't, can't really do that with the goalie. No. Especially when you depend on them this much. <laughs> no, and you know, and and Linus and Jeremy can say all they want that they would prefer, you know, the activity, but sure. I I would like to think that, you know, it would be nice to have a game night where you're just your job is easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who any one of us wouldn't would want to be able to say, yeah, I had an easy day at work today. Right. Exactly. Like there are the there are definitely the days where it's challenging and rewarding, but you don't want to necessarily have a day like that five days a week, 52 weeks out of the year. You you do need to mix them in. Um, so, yeah, I'd be a little bit worried about just. Their. How much gas they have left in the tank come March? I mean, hopefully things kind of even out, but also these two goaltenders, because of, well, Swayman's age, but also for Allmark in terms of the teams he's played for before and how long he's been with Boston, neither of them have experienced a deep playoff run. So neither of them knows right now how much energy you need for a deep playoff run. Right, right. They don't have any context for that. So, And, and let's not, uh, you know, underscore to the amount of ice time that guys like Hampus Lindholm, before this injury, Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, those yeah. guys <sighs> have been lugging a boatload of, of minutes. And it's mm -hmm. still a relatively early in the season. Yeah. And so, you know, you you have to wonder too, is is that gonna start to wear right um, on those guys? You yep. know, even 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 pasta. And I know they're young and I know they're conditioned. Yeah. And you know, hockey players, and I've always said this in my view, my opinion, <laughs> the 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 most well conditioned athletes out of any of the professional sports. Oh, yeah. But when you're playing upwards of, you know, half half a game, night after night after night, right? the law of averages tells you that you've, you're likely going to start feeling some fatigue at some yeah. point. Yep. Yeah. And as conditioned as they are, it doesn't mean that they're robots. And... uh it could slow down recovery time. And like, just because again, they're, they're young folks. I mean, they're putting infinitely more stress on their body systems than the average person. <laughs> so, but it doesn't mean that they're immune to, you know, struggling to recover. And, and it's just, 
Load management is important for every player and making sure that you don't overburden them, especially too early on in the season. You know, that there's a reason why the Stanley Cup champions and runners-up look like garbage in June, even if they're 22 years old. They look like trash because their bodies have been through the ringer. And, you know, it's just a, it's just a fact of the game. It's just what these athletes go through. So, And just to wrap up on the Sabres game, getting back to the McAvoy injury, Mm. Um, you know, I, I know that McAvoy had his head down yeah, and was in kind of an awkward position. In my yeah. view, Paterko still led with his elbow and hit him with his elbow. Now, maybe he didn't intend to hit him in the head, but mm-hmm. he still led with his elbow. Why yeah. that wasn't called a penalty I don't agree with any type of review it, discipline, or anything of that nature. But at a minimum, yeah, this should have been an elbowing call. And I know I sound like a homer, but I just don't give a shit anymore. Okay? I don't think that officials give a you-know-what about any Bruins player who sustains an injury at the hands of the opposing team. I kid you not, I swear they intentionally look the other way. I don't know if it's the Brad Marchand factor. I don't know if Don Sweeney or the Jacobs family has tipped someone off in the league offices. Right. But how, when you have two officials on the ice who should be looking at that, don't call that an elbow is beyond me. Yeah. Yeah, I I certainly wouldn't be surprised if there's some level of unconscious bias. Um whether it's specifically about the Bruins or just the expectation that well, the Bruins are the better team, so I'm just not going to call things against the team that's coming into this better. Like you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. It's I've seen a number of instances like that this season, some that have been pretty serious um, that have been particularly galling to me. Yeah. Um, you know, there we'll, was that. We'll get to that. Yes. In our around the church. We're going right. to get to that because yeah. I'm, I'm ready to roll. Yeah. Um, you know, Department of Player Safety. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's troubling to say the least and obnoxious as hell to say uh, you know a little bit more (laughs) so uh yeah and you know a disappointing loss disappointing effort Mm -hmm. um again against a team who on paper you're better than they are and they just don't seem to understand that when a team such as the Buffalo Sabres comes in and comes into your house and yep. they can walk away having played better than you <laughs> because, right, yep. They, yep. they've gotten up for the game against you yep. and you haven't gotten up for the game against them. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's this loss, I mean, compared to the win that they had against Buffalo, I mean, that win wasn't a great win either. That was a free-for-all. So it's not like the last time they played Buffalo, they dominated them. I would say that the quality of that win was pretty crappy. So it's, you know, if you if you look at the two games together, I mean, the way that they've played against Buffalo has been distasteful. I don't I have not enjoyed either of those games, and it's been frustrating to watch. Yeah, so I mean, we move we we move on. We're on as as a famous coach in town says, we're on to Arizona. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, you know, like I said with the the Arizona game, uh I stuck around for that second period. Uh but you did take the time to watch the entire game. What else stood out to you besides um the goaltending and pasta kind of coming in and saving the day? The- the the Bruins were lucky to survive this game. I call this a game of survival. I'm not I'm not kidding you. This this was a game of survival. Yeah. Because, you know, Arizona came at the Bruins from the drop of the puck. They mm-hmm. they had a sleepy start. Yeah. Arizona did to um the second period. But then when they went down three nothing in the second yeah. period, it 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 rang, it opened them up. Yeah. It 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 woke up the sleeping giant. But we'll, you yeah. know, we'll we'll start with the first period where mm-hmm. stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> Arizona was out shooting the Bruins nine to one <sighs> until the Bruins were awarded a five on four, and then they had a five on three for over yep. a minute plus. Yeah. Which they didn't do anything with. They got some good lunks, but it at least got the Bruins' legs going. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that was uh, by the end of that period. Um, I was still, quite frankly, bored. And I think that's why I was fighting off some of the sleep. I was like, well, there could be a game here. Let's let's kind of stick to it. Um, the second period was a little bit more active, certainly. Um, that That was when we finally saw ourselves with a hockey game. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first period, you know, the, Bruin, the Bruins um, got... Um, a nice goal by Pasta took matters mm-hmm. into his own hands. I believe it was unassisted, where he took the puck around the net and um, tucked it in the short side to make yeah. it one to nothing. With I think it was less than five minutes to go in the first period, and then um, Trent Frederick is gifted a pass um, from the, the um, Arizona defenseman, who then dishes it to Charlie Coyle who's right in front of the net and the Bruins go up two to nothing. The, uh, and then pasta rings the bell on both posts inside. Oh, both that was wild. There. It was kind <laughs> of, yeah. You're thinking, how did that not go in? But it didn't go in. Nearly makes it 
three nothing, and then we start the second period with no Zaka. So I, I'm not even sure, honestly, where and how the injury to Zaka yeah. even occurred. Same. Yeah, I don't but, know. You know, it it forced Jim Montgomery to have to really, yeah, move move some pieces around where you've got yeah. you know geeky centering Marchand and Pasta. Then you've got, you know, Patra moving around and you've got Coyle moving around. So probably a less than ideal scenario. I think at yeah. one point, Marshy and Pasta had three different centermans. Oh, geez. At one yeah. point during, during that game. Yeah. Um, but what are you going to do? <laughs> so, you know, the, the Bruins are, Bruins get a power play less than three minutes in. Mm-hmm. And... The the power play unit that was on the ice was which was interesting. It was, I think, Geeky, DeBrusque, Marchand, Pasta, and Shattenkirk. Yep. And Shattenkirk ends up, you know, with the goal. kind of playing aggressively off yep. the point and yep. puts in his second goal of the season. Yep. So then you think to yourself, three to nothing. Mm-hmm. Let's have this game in hand. Mm-hmm. Arizona says. Not so uh, fast. As my fast. as my dad always says, a three goal lead is the most dangerous lead in hockey because it's just enough for the team in the lead to think, "Oh, we got this in the bag. We could take our foot off the pedal." But it's still a reachable amount to to, to overcome. So, and and that's exactly what Arizona said. Okay. Yeah. That, and that that third that third goal, that power play goal, was the wake up call that we didn't want. I well, however way you want to look at it, mm-hmm. the wake up call that Arizona um, needed. Yep. And so you know, Keller yep. immediately comes back. Yeah. Makes it three one. Less than Look. a minute. Yeah. Less and, and then 30, less than another minute. 32 seconds later. Yeah. Patra, you know, loses give away. the puck, give away, turnover, call it what you will. Mm-hmm. And um, Marconi makes it three to two Bruins. Now, yeah. I think that turnover um, found Patra a seat on the bench <laughs> mm-hmm. or a few shifts. Yeah. But, you know, once he does get back on the ice, he, he, to his credit, the kid does learn from his mistakes. He I'll, does. I'll give him that. He, yep. I, I like this is how you know this. This kid is he. He's gonna be a player because you know he doesn't sulk. He doesn't pout. Yeah, comes back and he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Yep. So he wins um, a puck battle and dishes a pass to Danton Heinen, who um, beats Ingram. On the glove side, to make it four to two, yeah. Um, but for the most part, Arizona owned the play. If if you yeah. asked me who won that second period, yeah, Bruins or Arizona, I'd have to say Arizona. At yeah. one point, they had nearly a full minute, yeah, of ozone time, yeah, and like Glenis was. Under siege, they yeah. they weren't like they weren't half-assed shots that he mm-hmm. was facing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and again, they just seemed 
you know, with, with the quickness with which Arizona was slinging the puck around in the Bruins end, it, it's almost as if the, the Bruins defensive structure didn't, didn't know where to look first. Yeah. Didn't know where to look first. Didn't know where the puck was going. Couldn't even anticipate a move quickly enough. Yeah. That was, that was the, what was the most troubling and taking everything into account, like looking at this game as a whole, uh, I can't remember who said this once, but in one of our game day chats, the question was asked um, from a previous game where it was kind of a similar win quality. Why does this win feel like a loss? Because it was times like that getting completely outplayed, outmaneuvered. You know, these the Arizona team, they're they're young, they're hungry. They just beat the last five Stanley Cup winners like they are ready to go. And when they woke up, they were ready to go and they were ready to move. And they just embarrassed the Bruins, um, particularly in that second period. Yeah. And I, and again, you know, it's, it's, it's instances like that, that, you know, I, I say to myself, how, how good, really, how good is this team? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I know, I know it's not a bad team. I know it's not a bad team. When you have guys, you know, when you have David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy, Charlie Coyle, Hampus Lindholm, this is, this is a good hockey team. I guess I'm asking the question rhetorically, but when you see instances and, and again, they're not small instances. Mm-hmm. These were in, in the Arizona game in particular, you know, there were instances of, oh my God, I'm biting my fingernails. And, you know, thank yep. God Linus is back there. Thank God yep. Swayman is back there to, to bail them out. It, yep. it's, it happens too frequently during yep. the course of a game. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly right. So, you know, needless to say, it, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't much, wasn't much better. Yeah. Um, you know, a- Arizona made it. A one goal game, less than four minutes in, mm-hmm. um, nearly nine plus minutes into the game, Arizona is once again out shooting the Bruins, like yeah. nine to one. Yeah, you know, Linus is just getting peppered, peppered on the power play, and I think I think um, Coach Montgomery said this in the post game. Linus was the Bruins' best penalty killer <laughs> in the Arizona game. Mm-hmm. Accurate. <laughs> I detect no lies. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, luck- luckily for the Bruins, you know, Pasta bailed them out at the fourteen twenty nine mark for his second goal of the game. It was yep. a great effort by Geeky to stay with the puck um and win it to send a backhand pass to Pasta. But right before that. And during that shift with Geeky, Pasta put on a four-checking clinic yeah. that was a thing Epic. of beauty. And this is an area of his game that I think he's been working on, clearly been working on, that mm-hmm. is evolving and is improving. Yeah. But it was it was it was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then to finish the game, you know. Given given 
Now that you know, this is where I give Jim Montgomery. He yeah. saw the pulse of the game. He saw that Arizona was coming at them with everything they had. Yeah. You know, now they're up again in this game. And so what does Monty do? Again, and I have no issues with this whatsoever. He shortens his bench. And he throws out his big boys, yep. for lack of a better word, because he needs to win a game. Yeah. It's two points. Especially after the loss that they came at, off of, it was, that was almost like a non-negotiable. Like, th- this, this has to be a win. It has to be a win. Absolutely. And, you know, so once again, this is why I call it a game of survival. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona pulls Ingram with two plus minutes left in the game. And it, again, it's survival of the fittest. Yeah. And I'll put my money on the Bruins when I know the leader of the tribe is Linus or Jeremy Swayman. Yeah. Um, because, again, Arizona's just coming at you, coming at you, coming at you, coming at you. And he stands there and says, you know, hit me with your best shot. Yep. That was a well-deserved Vezina Trophy last season. And certainly both he and Jeremy Swayman should be part of the discussions, at least as of right now, because they just continue to crush it, both of them. Absolutely. So, you know, I know a win is a win is a win. Um, Bruins wound up getting outshot in the third period, 11 to 5. That's pretty telling is because, you know, again, you played most of the game yeah. in your own end. Yeah. And that's exhausting. That's really exhausting and frustrating to watch. It's not, it's stressful. I don't enjoy this no. kind of game either. So, and so, you know, yeah. the, 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 the key takeaways for me, um, in this game is with, with the injury to Zaka, mm. how, how long can you sustain the center position mm-hmm. without having him in the lineup? I mean, again, you, you weren't, you weren't planning on having Coyle, Geeky, and Patra having mm-hmm. to play, you know, maybe Coyle, um, yep. top top center line minutes. <laughs> now, you know, can you get away with it for the short term? Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. But can you? Right. That's the question. But can you? Exactly. That's the question. So it'll be interesting to see. They traveled to New Jersey today. They've got their their uh, game tomorrow, Wednesday, um, the 13th. They're down in New Jersey. A couple of key guys down there, just looking ahead a little bit, are out with some injuries. So Dougie Hamilton, Thomas Nosek, um, they're out. I believe Eric Hulla is also out. New Jersey has had a little bit of, um, I would say, surprising season. Uh, coming off of last season, uh, they... They were still considering last year to be a part of their rebuild, but it, but they went a little bit further than they expected, and maybe prematurely. The ownership, uh, front office, whoever declared that their rebuild was over, <laughs> that they have had this season. Um, 
you know, they're, they've got 92 goals for, uh, 94 against. Um, they're on the outside looking in. They're currently, if playoffs were to start today, um, not not making it, not a wild card. They're pretty middle of the pack in terms of their division. Uh, their home record's not great. Well, um, home record. Yeah, and in in spite of some pretty incredible talent on their roster, you know, you've got Jack Hughes, who is disgusting. Uh, his brother's trying to keep up with him. You've got Timo Meyer. Um, but then also uh, this season, they've had 11 games where they've allowed four or more goals, including a handful of six goals. And they've lost in that way against teams like Edmonton and San Jose. So I'm curious as to what New Jersey team is going to show up. Uh, against the Bruins and how the Bruins are going to kind of go into this game because, you know, it's not like Arizona or the Sabres. I feel like New Jersey does have this this reputation, at least because of last year and the players that are on the squad that command a level of respect that the Bruins should certainly uh, give them. This is their first time playing this season. Uh, so what are you going to be looking for as we start that game to kind of gauge how the Bruins are playing? Well, my my concerns are always with, again, um, you know, this is the first time we're seeing them. They're coming off, the Devils are, coming off a recent road trip where they went 3-1-0. and oh. the, mm-hmm. the loss was a loss, I think, just last night. To yep. the Oilers that they weren't happy about, no. you know, given the fact that again this is a big litmus test for them facing yep. one of the top teams in the league, and then the Bruins still are, a, yep. you know, a top top team in the league. I expect them to come out with all the speed that they have yes. on their roster, and this is what concerns me with our Boston Bruins is, yep. you know, how they match up against teams who are faster than they are now presumably most teams in the league are faster Mm. than the boston bruins but maybe not pittsburgh (laughs) right 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 right. yeah Uh, yeah yeah it's and and i'm looking for some of them the 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 haphazardness Mm -hmm. and the lack of attention to detail in our own end yeah to be cleaned up a little bit yeah, a little chaos I've seen kind of creep up, you know, in the Toronto game, in in this most recent game. There's been some moments of chaos where it's like a little bit of a circus going on out there. Nobody knows who's got the puck. Nobody knows what's going on. And in that moment, that's when the opposing teams have been able to capitalize on 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 the Bruins. So. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm going to be looking for a lot of the same things. How do they handle the speed and the talent that's coming at them? I think we are definitely going to be seeing whoever ends up starting. The question mark is, is Swayman after his illness, is he actually like at 100% uh, energy wise? 
According to Scott McLaughlin, who writes for WEEI and also is a host of um, the the Skate Pod, mm -hmm. he um, put a note out on X that Jim Montgomery knows who's going to start. He's just not announcing it yet. Yeah, because they probably want to be a hundred percent sure, which is fine. Right. You know, a little gamesmanship, but. Quite frankly, if if you're the opposing team, I mean, it's not like there's one really good starter and one kind of mid uh, other goalie like they're both elite. So honestly, <laughs> how different is your homework going to be? But that being said, I would suspect that and what I would be looking for, actually, what I what I would suspect versus what actually happens this season isn't always aligned. But what I'll be looking for is, again, can we see a quick jump start? Are we going to see, you know, did this team kind of get a boot in the butt to get moving? Um, and can they quickly take advantage of New Jersey's kind of questionable goaltending. That would be the only flaw I would say that I saw in the Devils last season for as great and as well as that team developed over the course of last year. Um, and then into the playoffs, I watched them uh, quite a bit. Uh, they didn't really have the goaltending. They kind of were bouncing around a couple of guys. Those guys, some of them are not there this season, so I would say that's their that's their Achilles heel. Um, and so what I would really like to see is the Bruins come in, hammer them with shots, take control of this game, and just try to snuff out some of that youthful energy, vigor, <laughs> what have you, of this young Devils team and just kind of put a damper on them by coming in and saying, nope, we got you. We're gonna. We're all over this, and that's what I would want to see. If I don't see that in the first period, then I know it's going to be an uphill battle, which stinks. Because I believe uh, two days later on Friday they then they're staying in the metropolitan uh, area to play the Islanders, who they have played already this season, but have been um, they've been a good team. This the the uh the Islanders and then the Rangers at home. This is gonna be a big challenge. Uh and I we are we already know what the Rangers bring to the table. We've been on yes. the receiving end of probably one of the biggest smackdowns yeah. um that the Bruins have, have received in quite yeah. some time. Yeah. Um laid upon them by the New York Rangers not too long ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's going to be a great redemption uh, game. And certainly I would like to see the Bruins go into those with a high quality win over the Devils to just carry that momentum uh, into the Islanders game because I, I think it's been a while since they played the Islanders. So, you know, they don't necessarily have anything to bring into that game. But then with Rangers, they obviously have the fire and passion from their game right around right after Thanksgiving um, to bring to that. So now just to go back to the devils, this might explain some of some of why they're having such um, such an unusual season for lack of a better word. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking down at their team stats and, and listen to these plus minuses. 
for some of the the guys that are supposed to be key contributors on this team. Now, I know Doug Hamilton is out with an injury, but before the injury, he was a minus eight. Yikes. Dawson Mercer. Oh, it gets better. Minus eight. <laughs> Tyler Toffoli, minus 10. Whoa. Timo Meyer, minus 15. Yikes. That's gross, people. Yeah. And I know folks don't put a lot of stock in plus minus. I'm one of those old dinosaurs that still does. Yep. I think if it's not a worthwhile statistic, people wouldn't keep it anymore. But yeah. that's pretty gross. <laughs> well, and at that minus, that says something. Like, what is happening? That That's one of those statistics where, okay, at its face value, maybe it doesn't give you the context. I think that's probably why people don't look to that. They look to other modern uh, statistics in hockey analytics. But for me, that's kind of a what I would call an indicator stat, which would say if it's high enough or low enough, that would make me say, I need to dig further. Like, what is going on with this guy? Uh, and certainly a minus 15 would say, oops, that's not supposed to be that low. <laughs> what no, is happening? I, I mean, that, yeah, I... I I mean that's mind that's mind boggling. That's yeah. mind boggling. But we di we digress. Indeed, um, indeed. May maybe I take I take joy in the misery of other hockey teams. <laughs> <laughs> I always do. That's half of being a hockey fan. The Schadenfreude is great. Um, and this should be a good week of hockey. I like to see the Bruins play all three of these teams. They're highly entertaining. They're not in the same division, um, but we we do get to see them um, at least three times because of the conference. And it's a little bit of a regional rivalry. Um, so I, I enjoyed these games in particular. And you're going to be at the Rangers game. So that'll be exciting. Um, I've, I've been to a, a Rangers-Bruins game at TD Garden. It's a good time. It's a good little rivalry. No, and and Ra Rangers fans uh, travel quite well. So yep. yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot of... Uh, a lot of different uh, sw sweaters in the building. Absolutely. On, uh, on, on a Saturday night, no less. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Sure people it's be wild time. Primed and ready. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it, we're going to definitely have, I think, a lot to talk about next week. Um, let's talk about around the rink. So, a couple of interesting little tidbits, uh, some fun or interesting things. Uh, the thing that I was hoping to happen because I love a good story. In spite of it being semi, well, it is 100% Toronto Maple Leafs related, but I'm a sucker for a good story. Tavares gets his 1,000th point, which is fantastic, but also it happened on Long Island against his former team. It's a great story. Um, however, I will say, <laughs> because you know how I feel about Toronto. Uh, they did not shower the man with as much love as our Boston Bruins did when Patrice Bergeron got his uh, thousandth. So they love to boo John Tavares. In, yeah. In, in, oh, yeah. On the yep. island. On the island, they love. Yep. Um, yes. And if you don't know the story, I'll see if I can dig up a great little article. I remember reading about it uh, a few years ago when he. 
left Long Island to go to Toronto. There was there's a lot of bad blood. Well, there. I think a lot of it had to do with all the courting and the books and you know, yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah. come with us, John. Come with us, John. you know. Yeah, I, I think some folks thought that Tavares ultimately was going to Toronto all along and was yes. just stringing other teams along. Yeah. My favorite story was, and again, this is totally off topic, but my favorite story about how he clearly led everyone on was because there's a picture of him as a child in his bed with Toronto Maple Leaf uh, bed sheets and comforter. So, yes, he clearly was planning this from age six. <laughs> Maybe I feel like a scorned lover. I would have taken him in a heartbeat. Okay. Who wouldn't have? He's a fantastic player. I mean, fantastic player. He always has been. Yeah. How appropriate is it? That's what I was hoping for. You get you get your thousand point against your old team. Yeah. And then you flip and lose the game because you play for the Maple Leafs. See, it it was is a win win because, again, I love a good story like that. You know, the poetic justice of it. But then also they still lost. So hooray. So that was my favorite story. Um, do you have any other favorite stories from around the rink that you want to share this from this week? Well, um, I just want to point out to the NHL in their, again, never-ending lack of infinite wisdom. Yeah. They've, they've <laughs> had a boatload of games on this week. Yeah. I think they were scheduled, you know, by the time the week is over, to be televising 22 games. Nice. We have, I believe it's tonight. Is it tonight or tomorrow night? Let me just check. I don't sound like an idiot because I know <laughs> I normally do. Um, and I do enough of that on my own. Um, aye, aye, aye. Oh, Tuesday, tonight. Connor oh. versus Connor. Yeah. Okay. So Bedard. Versus McDavid. Okay. Game is not on until 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. (laughs) Tell me, tell me how you're going to grow the game of hockey when you have a showcase, two showcase players, such as this. Yeah. Because I'm not staying up to watch that game. No. I I just don't understand it, but you know, what do I know? (laughs) <laughs> well, and and you make a great point because if the league is going to be hanging their hat on the new Connor to quote unquote grow the game into the future, you know, they're as annoying as the comparisons constantly are of Connor Bedard and so and so favorite or uh, famous player at this point in his career, or blah, 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 and how many people he's passed and this, that, and the other. For this particular game that's coming up, um, Bedard has, through his first 27 games in the NHL, one more goal than McDavid had through his first 27 games. So, like, there's also uh, this other angle where, you know, it's this is their first meeting. I believe it's their first meeting. Um, We've got that comparison. Like, you've got all these things. What are you doing? But, again... (laughs) <laughs> can't, can't get out of its own way. I just, yep. 
don't understand it. But yep. again, you know, yeah. that's why they get paid the big bucks, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. And then the last thing we want to talk about, because, you know, we always, we love to talk about <laughs> your favorite department, the Department yes. of Player Safety. <laughs> and I feel like we need to have a whole separate special episode because it's already been an hour and we're just getting to on, on the player maroons, safety. The Maroons that are known as the Department of Player Safety. Now, yeah. uh, for those of you who, you know, haven't been paying attention, there was um, an, uh, an issue that occurred during a game between um, the Detroit Red Wings and the Ottawa Senators on Saturday night. Now, mm -hmm. the incident itself that caused Dylan Larkin to have to be taken off the ice. Which was he, crazy he, to watch. It, like It was crazy because it, it, it appeared that he was knocked unconscious now. And it didn't even seem like a significant hit which i thought was crazy no like and I just the was, right it was just it was just a hockey scrum yeah there there was it, it didn't appear to me that there was any intent on the part of the two senators players who were involved in you know the scrum with with dylan larkin to to cause to cause that that injury yeah and but again now maybe it's an emotional thing you know D david perron looks over sees his captain knocked out on the ice and decides so that decides to take matters into his own hands now yeah. again if you're going to do that if you're going to do that, Mr. Perron, don't you think you should be going after the two players that were actually involved in the scrum yeah. with Dylan Larkin? So those two players were Parker Kelly and Matthew Joseph. Now, again, I don't think they did anything intentional on their yeah. part. Yeah. All Perron sees is Larkin on the ice. And then Zug, who is basically waving people over from the benches, get out here, get out here. David Perron just lunges at Zug and, you know, leaves his feet, uses his stick, and cross-checks Zug literally in the mm -hmm. face. Yep. So for that, okay. Does he deserve a suspension? Yes, he does. Six games? Six yeah. games? And now, Peron, I, because I, I, I checked, I said, Jesus, he must be a repeat offender if he's having a hearing for this. Yeah. But he, he was only reprimanded once before, and I don't even think it was a suspension. Now, Peron's agent came out and ref it was not happy about the six games. It's going to be appealed. 
Good luck, Mr. Walsh, appealing that because you're appealing <laughs> it to Gary Bettman, and we all know how that's going to end up. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. But he referred to George Paros and the Department of Player Safe Safety as a kangaroo court. And absolutely. he's absolutely right. Absolutely. This suspension on Peron was a reactionary suspension, in my view, mm -hmm. because they screwed up not suspending Jacob Truba, mm. literally cross-checking Freddie to the face and using, swinging his stick, excuse me, and using his yep. stick as a weapon right. and the heat that came down on them and the criticism that came down on them to which they said, oh my God, we can't let this happen again. So yep. David Perron is paying the penalty for both himself yeah, Jacob Truman. Easily. Now, would Easily. I have suspended Perron? Yes, I would have. Yeah. Two games, three games max. Yeah, right. Six? Are you kidding me? They yeah. gave him the three games that they that should have gone to Truba. Truba. I agree. 100%. What a bunch of freaking flipping idiots. Yeah. Yeah. I had such high hopes at the start of the season for uh, oh, no, they're, they're the department. Oh, they but... is my friend. That yeah. was just... That was the false hope that they gave us because now the real George Paros and the rest of the morons that he works with are now showing us once again who they really are. Yep. Yep. It's, it, it, it I, I'm consistently without words when I see such yo-yoing back and forth and describing it as a kangaroo court certainly uh, is the most polite, apt description of what's going on there because it certainly doesn't seem like there is any sort of metric, so to speak, uh, like rubric, yardstick, whatever you want to call it. How are you deciding what is resulting in it's the reactive punishment? Instead of being proactive. Right. It is reactive. Okay. Right. You 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 didn't meet out the discipline as your cards to do against Jacob Truba and any other player, okay? Any other player who uses their stick mm -hmm. as an item by which to hurt someone. Mm -hmm. It has no business in the place of hockey. So you know what, David Perron? I wish you luck. You shouldn't have got six games. I hope your agent can get it knocked down. But good flipping luck with that because right. that's not going anywhere. It's, I, I'll be I'll be shocked. And and for people who are pointing to, you know, the the um, Gubbardson suspension and only getting one game, to me, I, I think it's it's a little different. Okay, yes, Gubbardson went after. Panthers player. Okay? Yeah. He was an instigator, mm -hmm. but I didn't see him going after him with his stick. Right. He used his hands like a man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He used yeah. his hands. Yeah. And you know what? Anyone, anyone who kicks the ass of any member of the Florida Panthers is <laughs> because yes. I think that team is due for an ass kicking. Because yeah. they take more liberties than pretty much any other team in the league. 
and they love to turtle yep. when you come at them. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, every, every time I see a video clip on social media of general hockey shenanigans, it feels like every video lately uh, involves the Florida Panthers. So <laughs> I don't know what's going they're, on they're, down there. They're becoming, they're becoming the um, Montreal Canadiens of, you know, the, um, you know, in, in, in their heyday in the, in the 2000s, where they, they, were, they were rats. The whole team were rats. But then they would flop and turtle. Like, yep. you know, like a bunch of cowards. And so, yep. you know what? It's, it's, it's time for the Panthers to get their comeuppance. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, Gunbertson, yes, he probably should have gotten the one game, but I'm fine with, with one game. Yeah. What Perron did, did not deserve six in my view, but it did deserve at Something. a minimum two or three game suspension. Yep. Exactly. Well, just like that, it's been another hour. Maria, I'm always excited to talk Bruins hockey with you. I hope that over the next three or four days, uh, we have some better games to watch because I'm, I'm tired of being bored. Improvement, yes. And no more injuries, okay? No. Like, oh let's my God. lay off with the injuries yep. for a little bit. I know every team goes through this cycle, and if it's going to happen, I'd rather it happen now than later in the season. Accurate. Absolutely. So uh, find us in our Discord and our socials. Join us for some game day chats. Sometimes we'll also do pregame. Um, so come find us. You can find the links in our show notes, uh, as well as the articles and things that we talked about today from around the rink and what the chirp. Uh, any parting words, Maria? Let's go, Bruins. <laughs> let's, let's, let, let's just... Let's just clean up our act a little bit. And that would be a very nice little Christmas present. Just Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's clean things up in, in, our, in our own end. Amen. Make, make the job easy for your goalies. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And with that, go bees. Mm-hmm.